This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Our own Deputy Prime Minister, Christy Freeland, was down in Mexico City, along with her counterparts from the U.S. and Mexico, and they ratified this deal. Uh, so it has to do with, uh, well, it's the NAFTA successor, and they're calling it Kuzma, Canada-U.S.-Mexico agreement. And uh, there had been some sticking points, but Nancy Pelosi endorsed it. And this was the sticking point that, you know, unless the Dems actually gave it the green light in the House of Representatives in Congress, it was going nowhere. And now they have. And she says it's been a vast improvement upon what Donald Trump had offered up initially. And uh, their areas of concern were workers' rights, the environment, and prescription drug prices. Now, we were to be joined here momentarily by uh, Bruce Heyman, the former U.S. ambassador to Canada, who can speak to that, as well as the articles of impeachment that were filed by Pelosi and the Dems. Actually, Jerry Nadler in the uh, House of Representatives, which the Dems control, as you know, and they're the ones who are really stoking the impeachment fires. Whether or not that's advisable uh, is something, it's a matter of conjecture. Is this something to protect the integrity of the executive branch, as Nadler and the Dems are saying? You know, citing two articles, including obstruction of justice. And, you know, I know that there's a, the founding fathers in America put forth the litmus test or the barometer that had to be high crimes and misdemeanors, such as uh, bribery and treason. Now, whether or not this meets the standard is one of those overarching questions. What's interesting about all of this, though, uh, in the ensuing hearings that took place in the, well, the Judiciary Committee that uh, Adam Schiff was chairperson of from California. And uh, there's a whole, I guess, uh, controversy surrounding how that was conducted, by the way. But nonetheless, uh, you would think that the needle might have moved in favor of impeachment and downgrading Trump's popularity and so on or support, but it had no effect. It's almost like the opposite happened. Now, as a countervailing point of consideration in America, the jobs numbers came out, the economy is booming, the stock market's over 28,000 or thereabouts, and a lot of people are saying, well, I got a 401k, you know, which is my retirement package. I don't want to scrub my good time here. Why kill the goose that lays a golden egg? I may disagree with the man and, uh, you know, his abruptness and whatever else, but on balance, he's big on my issue and serving me well. So these are all of these different streams uh, of narratives taking place concurrently in the U.S. of A. But uh, on this matter of impeachment, at the end of the day, it looks to me like it's naked politicking more than any kind of uh, matter of principle and, again, maintaining the integrity of the Oval Office and uh, not having that undermined. Let's get to Bruce Heyman, by the way. He has joined the Oakley Show, and uh, he is the former U.S. ambassador to Canada and best-selling author of the memoir, The Art of Diplomacy. Ambassador Heyman, good to have you back here on the Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Hey, it's good to be back. How are you? I'm very good. Uh, I was doing some tap dancing here in your absence. Uh, We were talking about two things happening concurrently. Uh, This trade deal, the son of NAFTA, the Kuzma, Canada-U.S.-Mexico arrangement. Son of NAFTA. Well, yeah, it's been ratified now because Nancy Pelosi uh, in the House decided that uh, everything is good to go. and. uh, That's right. So what do you make of this deal? I mean, uh, she says it's an upgrade from what Donald Trump had presented, and uh, Canada was sort of waiting to take our cues from that. And Mexico, I guess, uh, 
They want to, so everybody's happy on the same page, singing off the same hymn sheet. Good deal for all parties? I think it's a great deal for all parties, actually. But in particular, I think it's a really good deal for Canada. How so? Not only, not only did you negotiate a deal that I think you did a really good job negotiating, but then Nancy Pelosi then went to work and negotiated, I think, a little bit more on your behalf. Uh, she actually changed the provisions for, you know, drug patent life, biologic patent life, removed it all from the agreement, which effectively would have made drugs in Canada a lot more expensive because it wouldn't have allowed generics to come in till 10 years as opposed to eight years on these this new class of drugs. And so that's one step. The other is that we, I'd say Canada and the U.S., lost a fair bit of jobs in the early days of NAFTA by factories moving to Mexico. And they paid incredibly low wages. They had poor standards. They didn't care about the environment. They didn't care about anything. And they were continuing to move plants down there. And so what we now have is enforceable provisions that, hey, guys, you're going to have to demonstrate that you're actually doing the things. And we're going to have panels come in and look at your factories. And we're going to make sure that you have the right working conditions, so you have the right to unionize, and you're actually paying higher wages on those automobile factories than you were previously paying. So I think it's good news for Canada uh, and the U.S., but I think Canada comes out pretty good here. Let me ask you, because uh, I, I'm not really overly familiar with all of the aspects within the case, but some of the sticking points and some of the areas of consideration for Canadian manufacturing, automotive, for example, uh, mm-hmm. with rules of origin. Now, mm-hmm. if I understand it, uh, steel is one aspect that was very contentious, aluminum's another, and I don't know if this deal actually is to Canada's benefit when it comes to the aluminum uh, component. What do you hear? What do you know? Yeah, that's a good question because of the way this was phrased. I think that there are some particular concerns that cheaper aluminum might actually be able to come in through Mexico and up in, into North America. And I think that concern, I've heard that voiced over the last couple of days. I'm not overly concerned about it, especially with the president, who whenever people seem to misbehave on steel and aluminum, he slaps tariffs on them. And so I think that this will evolve over time. But I think if if there is some advantage that is that China gains as a result of that, I think that will be uh, that that will be taken care of in the future. So I, I, I and that's small relative to the whole. I think the larger picture here is 75% of your exports go to the United States, and you could not afford to have NAFTA blow up, which this president has threatened on a regular basis. And so we've got a new deal. It's updated. It's taken the original NAFTA and actually, I think, improved it. Again, Bruce Heyman is with us, former U.S. Ambassador to Canada, on this uh, new deal that's uh, an upgrade on NAFTA, and you're saying everybody's a winner. It's a win-win-win across the board. By the way, you mentioned China and uh, the trade deal that the president, there's a standoff with China. Uh, yeah. Do you see this one being resolved anytime soon? So here's the, li- here's the likely outcome, um, because I think it's in China's interest and the U.S. interest that they don't continue to you know, escalate this. I think that the likely outcome is that they get to this this one part, they call it the Canada, sorry, the China-U.S. 1.0, that they're going to have to be a series of deals done, and we're not going to solve all of our problems right off the bat with them. So we're going to have to sit down and actually um, work through this on a longer haul, but I think the bigger problem with China is the competition in technology, and that's not going to get resolved in a trade deal. 
that's actually going to have to be, we're going to have to compete with China and we're going to have to have better products and we're going to have to win in the, in, in innovation and creativity and beat them, beat Huawei, beat the other Chinese companies by having better products and services. There's also patent protection, intellectual property. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, these issues, that going to be something that competition? I, I would be surprised if the president will be able to negotiate that. I think the best case is we're going to get, you know, substantially back to where we were so our farmers can actually sell goods uh, to China at the rate that they were selling them previously. We really hurt our farmers in this process, and all these tariffs that we put on these Chinese goods, you know who pays them. That's the American consumers paying them. It's either the consumer or our companies. He keeps saying the Chinese are writing these checks, but the U.S. actually is writing the checks. Well, in terms of collateral damage, uh, we can cite Canada as well. I was just before you joined us citing the case of our two Michaels, Kovrig and Spavro, who are being held there. It's the anniversary, by the way, of their incarceration, which uh, really isn't predicated upon anything that I think... uh, would be seen as legitimate. But, you know, because you mentioned Meng Wanzhou in there uh, with Huawei, if this trade deal is put together, uh, do you sense, first of all, that there's a certain cynicism behind uh, the request for her extradition from Canada to the U.S. as a bargaining chip? I don't know, because I don't know all the details of the legal extradition, you know, request that went through. But Canada must have felt that that extradition request that went through was legitimate enough to have her arrested. And we have this bilateral agreement between our two countries that I hope that this doesn't become um, that much more politicized than it is. And I hope there are some legitimate factors here, because if not, we're going to diminish the value of our extradition agreement between our two countries. And now we put poor Canada, I think, in the middle of this China-U.S. dispute, um, and they're taking it out on you guys, and you're kind of jammed here, um, unfortunately. And I don't have an easy answer for how to get out of it. And, you know, I think the president puts you in a difficult spot. Yet uh, it's not seen entirely as only a China-U.S. dispute. It has to do, I guess, the five eyes, too, uh, are concerned about, uh, you know, whether Huawei is uh, above board and, you know, playing... Uh, by rules or if uh, there's something nefarious and sinister behind the technology. Mm-hmm. But let me leave mm-hmm. that as it is, uh, because, you know, you're talking about integrity and so on and so forth. What about these articles of impeachment? Jerry Nadler talked about in the House today, and uh, the Dems are all behind this now. Is there something, uh, is it about, you know, maintaining the integrity of the executive branch, or is it just naked politicking? And I know uh, you're nonpartisan, so you'll give me a straight answer on that. <laughs> Well, I'll give you an answer as an American. I'll give you an answer as somebody who's supporting the Democratic cause. As an American, I will tell you the Constitution was written, and one of the concerns that uh, the authors of the Constitution was the foreign influence in, in, our, in our government. And the president has specifically used, you know, dollars set aside by the U.S. Congress to support Ukraine in this offensive move by Russia, and the money was withheld, and a favor was asked by the president to go out against his political rival and the rival party. I mean, you can't do that. Look, I, I'm, look. when you get another party to win, you expect that they're going to do things based on you know their policies and values, which may be different than the other party or yours. But to do this, 
I think puts democracy at risk. Now, I think the Congress should go ahead with its impeachment. That being said, I don't believe that the Senate, because he seems to have all the Republicans lined up with him, that I don't think the Senate is going to kick him out of office. But it's a good exercise for Americans to see and listen to exactly what took place, and they'll go to the ballot box in November and make a decision. Some people say uh, what he was really trying to do is uh, his due diligence in sending taxpayer money over to a corrupt regime, and he wanted to make sure that uh, you know the corruption wasn't just going to siphon it off in uh, places that were really not in America's interest. But let's leave that aside. I'm, I'm just kind of curious. Finally, I've got to ask, because I know you're from Chicago, and uh, we've got a, a situation in this country, in this city, uh, you know, talking about a gun ban. I read a stat the other day where uh, Chicago police seizing a gun every 48 minutes, and they've got a gun ban. So uh, do gun bans actually work, Ambassador? Well, they don't work real well when you're, you know, just a few miles down the road, there's no ban. So, you know, in the case of uh, Chicago, you can just drive a few miles down the road and go to Indiana and buy your guns and bring them over. Mm-hmm. So, you know, look, you, you need the legal structure to do, to do this, but I think largely I'm for, you know, registration, uh, background checks, you know, licensing in an appropriate way. Um, but there are different types of guns for different purposes, and we unfortunately have a lot of guns that have only the purpose of mass killing as opposed to self-defense and hunting and all of these other things. It's a tricky place in the U.S. We have it constitutionally said that you have the right to bear arms. But the question is what kind, how much, and under what circumstances. And I think that there are a lot of people that have arms that um, would be legally barred from having them under lots of circumstances, as you, as you talked about, a gun ban in and of itself. But, uh, but look, we have a very complicated situation going on, and uh, I wish there was an easy answer to it in Chicago because I'm, I'm looking for answers. Uh, we, we, we've had this problem for decades now. Yeah, as are we all. Uh, and, you know, it's just seemingly like uh, visiting us in a, a major way here in Toronto, too. So uh, we share that concern. Really appreciate your time and your insight, uh, as always. Thank you so much for it. A pleasure. Take care. You got it. Bruce Heyman again, former U.S. ambassador to Canada, best-selling author of the memoir, The Art of Diplomacy. That was rather diplomatic, wasn't it? Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.